Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome once again to the latest edition of Cult Following, the Phoenix Podcast. It's brought to you by a trio of movie fans, not unlike the three amigos of lore, who will explore the world of film, genre, and film culture with you. We also put on some cool movies here in the Phoenix area and some other cool events involving video arcades and film screenings. I'm one of your three hosts, Victor Marino, along with Kirby Nelson and Adam Rakowski. Me out. And this week, we are on our 39th episode, you guys, of Cult Following. We're almost over the hill. Yep, almost there. We've almost reached obsolescence. You know, as as we missed our renew point to speak in the parlance of Logan's run. But uh, this episode, we're going to be catching up on uh, some of the stuff we've been watching of late. Film curiosities as the summer winds down. We're getting there. The fall is coming. Winds down. Pretty much. We are at the... Isn't like the summer all the way until almost like the, the end of August? The cusp of August. We're at the cusp of August, you guys. But uh, there's lots of stuff coming out in July now and... You know, this is where some of the heavy hitters come out. Suicide Squad is still on the horizon, but we're going to talk about what's going on right now, beginning of July, end of June. What's going on right now? Lots of stuff. What's going on? What did you, What have you been watching, Kirby? So much. I can't even remember. I had to, like, write it all down because I couldn't remember what we talked about last time. It's, it tends to be a thing lately. It's yeah. just like a blur of activities. Been a while. Well, we have been updating the site. If you haven't noticed, there's a lot more reviews and articles. So definitely check those out, cultfalling.co. Um, I know I just posted um, the Purge election year, and Victor just did Swiss Army Man. Uh, both and of Neon those. Demon. Oh, and, and Neon Shallows. Demon. You did, and I did The Shallows. So those are probably our newest ones. Um, but, yeah, I actually... I was looking back. It's been um, since our last one was somewhere around was that June twentieth, June twenty first. So we're coming up on a couple weeks now, and I mean, there's been a lot of stuff I've uh, checked out. As mentioned, all those titles I haven't seen Neon Demon yet, but um, that's on my next uh, to watch list. So go run away from it. Run (laughs) away. I, I have to see it. It's it's just one of those ones where. I've got to give it at least a shot, although I did read your review and several others that uh, echoed similar sentiments, but i got to give it a shot. Um, uh, really, I, I wanted to look back through my list just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, I've seen a lot of... I've really, really... Uh, I've mentioned it before, but being a big dollar theater aficionado, um, some of the real dreck I've seen recent, recently... Uh, I actually did go see the Ratchet and Clank movie, uh, which is a uh, PlayStation what? franchise. What? Ratchet and Clank. Wow. They made a movie? Yeah. Is it live action or animated? I thought you were going to be like, oh, I thought you were talking about Jack and Daxter. No, it's an animated movie um, with uh, everybody getting their paycheck. Um, it's not the worst animation, but it is one of the most tired movies I've ever seen in terms of like how generic it is. Um. I think I po- I posted Conjuring Two. That's um, how I felt about uh, 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 Zootopia. Oh, really? See, I love Zootopia. I, don't know. I just it didn't. It I didn't, didn't love resonate. it as much as um, Big Hero Six or like Up, but 
in terms of like like I have no interest personally in really seeing Finding Dory. Like I'll go Ditto. see it, but yeah. Pixar has really started to go on. You know, they have their ups and downs, but I think they have a lot of forgettable stuff. Like, Big Hero 6 really stood out for me, and mm-hmm. Up. Um, you know, like, Wreck-It Ralph and some of the other ones were okay. But If you if you want to see Ice Age Collision Course, I can get you into a press screening of that on Saturday. I thought we were fucking friends, man. Come on, dude. <laughs> no, he tried pushing that on me, too. I'm like, no. sure uh, we can. Um, you know, it's it, I just, Zootopia, I just, I really, I don't think it's a perfect film. I just enjoyed it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Like I, I definitely laughed and smiled more than a few times. And I, I, there's a lot, a lot of comedies. Like, um, you know, and I usually like a more, uh, you know, brutal kind of insult, like vicious kind of comedy. So for that film to just be what it was, um, I enjoy. Of course, gorgeous animation, great okay. voice acting, but sure. you know, um, yeah, I just Ratchet, wasn't impressed. I, I don't. I can see that too. But Ratchet and Clank was like the uh, the dumpster diving version of Pixar. What I was mean, that one, the the George Lucas one, not too long ago that you saw? That had like the fairies and all the music. Oh, and everything. Strange Magic, which was oh, that's which right. is the, the worst, the worst movie I think so that, I've ever seen. In so animation. that was worse. Than oh, nothing is Ratchet wor- and Clank. No, nothing is worse than Strange Magic. I mean, it you know, it's like I said, if you had cut out all the songs, it was a twenty-minute movie, and it was only like an eighty-minute movie. Mm-hmm. So, and wasn't yeah. it all like um, pop hits? Yeah, it was a lot of I just re yeah, just packaged. Was, and, you know, and then of course, you know, your classic like if it it wasn't even it, original songs. Oh no no no! Right. And if it was in a commercial in the last twenty years, from like if like some sixties or seventies hits, where some like John Fogerty kind of do is like we're never gonna sell out, and then it's in every Chevy commercial. <laughs> now it's that's it's in Strange Magic. Um, Sorry, uh, with the little tangent. No, it's no, it's a good one. Uh, Conjuring two, I posted. Uh, me and Victor saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two. He posted a great review. Of I that. didn't see Conjuring two. No, I said I post the review oh, of Conjuring right. 2. Yeah. I said we saw TMNT 2 together, yes. and um, he posted a review of that. Um, yeah, we I already kind of talked about that, but I mean, it is, uh, all I can say is fan service. Yeah, like, when that ends up hitting Netflix or Hulu, it's probably going to be those one of those movies that's on in the background a lot. Yeah. Um, I saw a movie, I actually saw a trailer for at least a year ago, maybe a year and a half. And I always was interested by the premise. Um, and it is not the Robert Kirkman comic, but it's called. It's also called Nailbiter. Mm. And it's a very, very unique idea and really well executed for a low-budget movie. I got it for like five bucks on DVD on um, Amazon. Definitely check it out. Um, find it in stores. Um, but definitely great. Um, I was just trying to think here. Newer stuff I saw... Um, uh, you know, I'll watch anything with Tina Fey. So I checked out Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Oh it's yeah, totally by the numbers, but not bad. Um, with Margot Robbie, isn't it? Right? Yes, she's also in it. She is having like this is the, the summer year. of uh, Margot Robbie for yeah. sure. It was oh, like yeah. Chris Pratt was last year or the year before? A little year before, before 2014. Yeah. Uh, so no, last year was uh, oh Jurassic I, World last year. Yeah, he had that too. But no, last year was uh, Isaac. Um, oh, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac, because he was just hitting like one. Yeah, after Chris next, Pratt after next. isn't in anything this year. Well, that's what I'm saying. It seems like over the last three years, there's been someone who's been like hitting yeah. really hard. And ever since Guardians, it was Chris Pratt, and then he was in everything. And then Oscar Isaac started showing up in everything up until yeah. uh, Apocalypse. And now it's going to be uh, Margot Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because yeah. I looked at her, because I was like, well, why is she, she seems to be everywhere. I was, I was up at like, I don't know, two in the morning, they have that Entertainment Hollywood show, and they were talking to her about the uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, and I was like, oh, she was, she's in that, and she's doing like Suicide Squad, and she's, you know, like the It Girl right now. So I looked her up on IMDb, she really didn't do much of anything else. True. So it's like this year is like she's just like hitting. yeah she's in the Big Short which they just added to Netflix today so I'm gonna have to watch that because yeah. I've been wanting to watch that for a minute yeah. yeah um other than that I think it's been mentioned I mean several times here over episodes I don't have TV um any kind of cable I just watch stuff on Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that um but I've been catching up on a few shows um one is on Netflix right now is called Slasher. Oh right, yeah, I yeah. saw I saw a thing for and that. It's a kind of a unique premise for a movie because it's really like a low budget slasher film, um, done up of course in like the classic Kevin Williamson style. But it's not good, but it's not bad. I, I at that, least that, award it points for trying. You that know? seems to be a trend right now is doing these like uh, like Scream and Teen Wolf and yeah. kind of like Hemlock. Hemlock Grove I think kicked it off doing these like slasher base TV shows. I think there's a new one that just started called Dead of Summer. Yeah. It's like a summer camp one. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I think um, Scream Queens, uh, as as popular as that became, is what really drove everybody to start doing it. Yeah, I really enjoyed um, Scream Queens. <laughs> well, Surrey has something to say. say. What the heck? That's, that's super weird. If you like Dead of Summer... That was yeah. like, Do you have that, like the voice activation set? I, I guess I must have done that. You must on have accident. did something on. <laughs> that was really bizarre. I'm I'm just going to turn my phone off. Sorry, guys. You might not have heard, <laughs> but as we were talking about this, like Siri went insane and needed to impress me with her horror knowledge <laughs> and its terrible New Zealand voice. And it's just like, shut up. <laughs> um, speaking of, I I did watch this. I've been watching the second season of Scream the series. Um, you know, it's not. It's not great. It's not bad. I mean, I'm enjoying it to the point. Um, the other, I did watch. I've mentioned before, Bitten uh, just finished its third season, premiered on Netflix, which is based on a, a series I liked by an author named Kelly Armstrong. And again, very like the one thing I think is being said here is they're all very paint by numbers. I mean, nothing's really like to me. Scream Queens is one of the first ones that really stepped out and did something very different. Um, and then I really think that's most of what I've been watching. Oh, except uh, there, if you want to laugh your fucking ass off and you have no issue with nudity, um, there is no joke. The first porn reality show, it's called The Sex Factor. Mm. I think it's like the sexfactor.com. And it's got like a few episodes, like 30 minute webisodes. And it's basically all these wannabe porn actors and actresses. And. It's just ludicrous because they play it completely straight. Hmm. Like, it's like it is The Bachelor or, um, you know, Survivor, but with, like, blow-offs. I'll let you <laughs> fill that oh. in there. Okay. Um, definitely really funny. Somebody brought that up by, um, you know, or um, had mentioned it. I was like, oh, I got to check this out. So that was really funny. Um, and really the only other one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close it out with has been that... Um, um, I actually, the last movie I saw was Swiss Army Man, which mm-hmm. Victor just posted on. He actually got to see it out in Cali um, and taped a panel. I think he's going to be posting soon. But um, A24 for me has just had the best year. The Witch, Green Room yeah. are my top two films. 
Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready to put Swiss Army Man in number three, but the I want to go back and revisit. The more I think about it, the more I like it. I think I think Swiss Army Man is probably A24's best movie this year in my book. Mm. Have either of you seen The Lobster yet? No. And that's what a lot of people are saying. I have not seen The Lobster, but a lot of people are saying, well, if you know, between if I were to pick between Swiss Army Man and The Lobster, I'd pick The Lobster over. I told Anne after seeing Swiss Army Man that I think they own a piece of the Redwoods because every movie that they put out this year so far features that somebody running through the woods or in the woods. <laughs> yeah, that's because true, you actually. have you have uh, Green Room. You know, toward the end, there there's mm-hmm. more of like they're in the woods. Uh, the witch, lobster yeah. is a lot of it is in the woods. Witch yeah. woods, Swiss Army Man woods. So I think Anne looked it up on IMDb, and it was uh, you know it was shot in different you know places, but mm-hmm. I didn't do like a complete comparison, location comparison analysis. But I yeah. wonder if there's something to that that they had all of a sudden um, the uh, you know the, the 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 rights for the to be in the property in the areas wherever they were you know they had the uh, permit to do so, and it's like okay, let's get these movies done. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Pretty much right. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, I just, you know, it's one I'm still kind of digesting and stuff, but the, you know, the funniest thing is the very first thing I thought when I walked out of it, and you guys can both put in your own input, but um, I really thought of where the wild things are. That's really the very first, both Mm. the book and even the the movie, because the movie was so dark for a children's movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it was really kind of cryptic and... um, you know, kind of a downer. Well, like, I, I didn't think of that specifically, but I did think in general of Spike Jones movies, which is too. one of, you know, War of the Wild Things are is one of his movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, to me, it really reminded me of something like um, Eternal Sunshine in a lot of ways in, with, you know, the kind of, uh, like, I was really careful in my review not to spoil things, but there's scenes that are akin to the flashbacks in, uh, in Eternal Sunshine, and I saw a connection there, and and there's also like kind of like a like a being John being Malcolm, John Malkovich almost slash Fight Club thing going on with it. Um, I I really like the ending. It's like a really non traditional ending, and you mm-hmm. can leave wondering if it actually happened or not. You Which know? is not a spoiler. I mean, really, no. that's the crux of the film is what actually is happening. Um, but well, I was, and I don't even think like it that it was really even the point of the movie. To yeah, no, 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 have, not like the, the ending, not the point necessarily. But I will think that I mean, if anyone just saw the trailer, you'd be like, "What the hell is going on? Is the, does he really do all this stuff, or does is it like what's going on?" You know, I um, without spoiling anything, there's a part early on in the movie where he eats berries, and I'm like, "Okay, here it comes, the full on." You know, Maze Benin berries the whole time, and it's just a hallucinogenic mm. trip. Like, you know, that was one of my first thoughts. Like, yeah. you know, he's just totally wasted. But, I mean, I will say, above all else, that, um, you know, he's he's really had a roughshod career out of Harry Potter, but Daniel Radcliffe sells this movie. Yeah. His performance I, 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 is stellar. Yeah, I think things like this and Horns really make me appreciate him as an actor, one of the things I found really interesting was um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in this. And, um, and it's weird in a way because I was kind of thinking of Scott Pilgrim, you know, since we're going to be showing it uh, in a couple weeks. 
And uh, one of the issues I've always had with Scott Pilgrim, um, I I mean, I like it a lot, but I think it's Edgar Wright's weakest film by far, is it hasn't, I don't think Scott Pilgrim earned its ending, where it's like this quasi-happy ending. And um, this movie has like the kind of ending I think would have made Scott Pilgrim like an all-time best of movie, you know, because... Yeah, I know. And the thing is, it's weird because I, I can get where you're coming from, too. But at the same time, like, um, when when uh, I watched Swiss Sorry Man, uh, Devin Faraci from Birth Movies Death was there. And he did a Q&A with um, uh, Daniel Kim and Daniel Shiner, the Daniels who directed the movie. And um, after, you know, they did the standard Q&A, they went to audience questions. And one of the people there was like... Don't you think it would have been better if he had ended up with the girl? And, you know, they went through a whole time where the whole point of the movie is not about... Yeah, it was a journey. It wasn't the Yeah, end. it's about a journey of discovery. And they said it's about him learning to love himself as right. weird and fucked up as he is. And how they actually went and shot when they were doing reshoots to get more shots of disgust mm-hmm. from Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Because at test screens, people still thought... Well, maybe she was still kind of receptive to him because, you know, she seemed to show empathy. So they went and shot, you know, stuff like her going, oh, my God, and that's disgusting, mm-hmm. you know. But it, it, to me, it's just like it's it's in, it's as I don't think uh, audiences nowadays are probably as open to things as they were 30 years ago. So you have to really try hard. To get them away from the idea of a narrative unhappy ending. Well, I'm I'm really surprised about how much uh, how many theaters that it was released in. I thought it'd be more independent. Yeah, A twenty four must have really good distributors because I mean, Green Room opened really wide, and you know, I mean, they they built it up more and more. Yeah, the witch, you know, had a lot of hype, but it did not last long. And I know a lot of people keep asking when Green Room is coming on Blu-ray. Who missed it? Yeah. In the theaters, either it just first hit or VOD run. last week. Yeah, because they were really, you know, a lot of people still missed it. But that's because I don't think people, you know, really gave it much of a chance. But you know, it's funny that you bring up the Mary Elizabeth Winstead thing because you know, especially in compa- uh, parallel with Scott Pilgrim, because of course the first thing I thought was the myth of Mary Elizabeth Winstead is like the perfect girl, right? which I am beyond tired. Besides that, anytime I see a girl with mermaid hair, I'm like, oh, hey, Ramona. <laughs> yeah, it is funny, though. She's actually grown up versus somebody like, uh, you know, she's let herself age on screen. Yeah, she has. Versus, like, um, uh, Zoe Deschanel, who, like, I don't think I could ever take seriously as an actress again. You know, I mean, that's her persona. That's She's going to look with the stupid bangs in 20 years still, you know, Anyway. Anyway, yeah, it works for her. Yeah. Whereas her sister aged instantly. Right. Who already looked like, uh, you know, your typical. I mean, when I saw her the first time I ever saw Bones, I was like, oh, yeah, that just fits perfectly. You mm-hmm. just look like you were meant to do that role. But well, I went to the, that's a uh, great example, though. The Mystery Science Theater 3000 reunion, the Riff Tracks thing. And so oh, that. Yeah. Absolutely hilarious. But there was a point where they were talking, um, I don't know if it was part of a riff or no, maybe Mike Nelson said something to Frank Conniff, and he was TV's Frank, um, kind of in the, those middle years, that uh, said, you know what, how do you how do you do it, Frank? You look the same now as you did 30 years ago. 
And he's like, yeah, I just had that syndrome where I looked like 50 when I was actually only in my 20s. Because <laughs> he always had the white hair. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he does. He still looks the same. He just can't help it. Well, yeah, some, like, that's like Steve Martin, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, least... I can never tell how old he was. I mean, he had the white hair yeah. probably like in his late 20s. And, yeah. You know, once he hit 30 or something, it just might it just went... Mm-hmm. Whereas Bill Murray's starting to look like he's been in Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's looking bad. I mean, he and people are just like, oh. But you know what? Bill Murray started to hit the thing with like the ladies like Steve Buscemi where like, he's so hot. And I'm like... Mm. I'm uh, vigorously shaking my head because I just I I can't. I think it's a persona. It is a person. It's yeah. it has to be a persona. You know, there's no way. And I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just one of those things where I mean, it's um, I don't know. Maybe it is kind of almost a, a weird alternate universe. To, like I said, this. But that's the thing. I mean, I'm not at all against redefining the standards of beauty or attractiveness or anything like that. But I just don't want. I mean, the thing is, is that I've reached with a lot of films where they're starting to cast. It's kind of like a Zoe Deschanel used to be like. It's the alternative it girl, and it's like it becomes like somebody cannot. You know, it has to be this certain way. It's like whenever people talk about alt things, like especially. And I will point that as kind of a weird little tangent on the side. But, I mean, when you talk about casting people, it's like more and more when I look at shows and movies, a lot of times if it's if it's got to fit, especially with women, I, I feel it's just that, you know, women are finally getting out of the the place where it had to be like you had to look a certain way, you know, in the respect of the classic, you know, buxom blonde or, you know, ravishing beauty and stuff. And you could just be on your actual talent. Um, and intelligence, which has always been there with um, women in film, music, television, all the arts. But what really bothers me is is that now it's like, well, now you got to be the alt girl, like the alt image, and it's like there's a lot of girls who are, um, and actresses who are feeding into that. Did and you ever? Did when you... when when uh when I'm allowed to talk about Lights Out, we'll we'll have to. <laughs> did revisit. you already see it? Yeah, I saw it yesterday. Oh, damn it, uh, dude! I would have liked to have seen that. It, it was like a this, like it oh, was oh. it wasn't a press screen. It was a different thing. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, I can't talk about it because I'm embargoed till next week. But um, the whole thing about the alt girl uh plays heavily into a. I got a feeling from that trailer. Yeah. Did you see the the uh the documentary on Netflix? I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it had to do with the um. The the women, some of the women who get cast into particular roles. Oh, is this the like the sequel to the, the you? I'm that, that guy. Uh, you were that. Yeah, you yeah, were that yeah. guy from that one. thing Yes, or I did see some of that. Yeah. Um, but there's now. Yeah, now they have the sequel, which which has the actresses um, that do it. It kind of it's kind of the same thing. Of like some of them are are older and have been around for you know twenty, thirty, forty years in the business, and then there's some that are a little bit newer. But they share all their stories about, you know, what people are looking for. And it's, you know, it's, well, I can be, you know, this, that. I can um, transgress over the, these different types of, um, you know, I, I can be, I can come off as Hispanic. I can come off as Greek, you know, that sort of thing. And um, they know instantly whether or not you're going to be a doctor. You know, I'm like, I've been a doctor, you know, this, you know, 10 different times. I've been a lawyer this, you know, 10 different times. Um, but someday I'd like to be like, you know, the bikini model running across the beach, but they don't see me as that. You know, it's like, mm. you know, just keep getting typecast into the same roles. 
And that's that's very true. I guess uh, uh, to finish off that thought, I think it's more just that I feel like now you just have to have this particular image. I mean, like I said, it's the mermaid hair thing mm -hmm. and a girl having a sleeve of tattoos. And, you know, it's the suicide girl kind of effect. And mm -hmm. I, I just don't think it's kind of like occasionally, you, you know, used for there was a period again where it maintained the heroin chic look. And now it's like you have to be curvy. You have to be voluptuous to be beautiful. And it's like anyone can be beautiful. Oh, thank goodness. I know you can <laughs> You sexy bastard, you. Um, but, you know, but that that is a great documentary that brought up. Speaking of which, what have you been watching, Adam? Uh, I mentioned Zootopia. And Swiss Army Man. And Swiss Army Man. Uh, I saw Brothers Grims Grimsby. Wow, you're brave, man. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have watched that. It's, uh, it's pretty Did terrible. Did you have a double feature with The Dictator? No, but there's there are a lot of balls in this movie. If you like a lot of ball play, uh, Brothers Grimsby. It seems to be a like, standard in Sasha Baron Cohen. Movies. I don't know. This I like just the cock went, and ball torture. I mean, it went really far. Yeah. And then there's an elephant birthing scene that just goes way too far. There's a lot of cum in this movie flying around. Um, As I mean, my melting soy I'm sorry. Nami. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it's okay. Uh... Agent I'm really Cooper's disappointed. I'm mind. really disappointed with the with who's playing his brother, Mark Strong. Uh, is that who it is from the Kingsman? He was yeah, in that. You Mark know, he kind of he's kind of been doing these little bit roles, and this is kind of one of more of his major roles. I it just seems so beneath him to be in this. I think he's trying to transition. Well, no, I in, yeah, no, in, and I and I felt that too. But yeah. it's just it's really disappointing to see him in this. It's kind of it's a black mark on his resume. I think it's a black mark on everyone involves resume. Uh, except Rebel Wilson, who does the same. What's it? Yeah, right. Rebel Wilson yeah, is in this. Who does the same one? Because I saw How to Be Single, and I couldn't make it more oh, than halfway God. through because it was just literally yeah. her being the same role. I think one of these yeah. days we're going to have to talk about um, how Anna Kendrick is in like every bad movie that's come out coming out this year so far, it seems like. Uh, yeah, no, like literally, I was at Amoeba the other day, and it was like, uh, get a job. And then she's, and then when I'm leaving. There's a Mike and Dave get wedding dates billboard. I'm like, okay, Anna Kendrick equals not good. <laughs> oh, you got, you know, you gotta, you gotta strike while the, while the iron is hot. Yeah, is that what they say? I think Rapture Palooza started. Uh, this is what I've noticed. It used to be like Ving Rhames was the king of people who could be doing better movies but i'm just going to do 90 directed dvds mm -hmm. and right now it seems to be a uh, bruce willis is trying to fight him on that and uh piano reeves and uh no no, no it's bruce willis and then anna kendrick are like you guys are in real movies why are you in, like every other dvd and vod thing i'm seeing lately yeah that's true there's a couple of them that have definitely although i saw i saw that like um that stephen king movie cell ended up going straight to dvd it has John Cusack and Samuel Jackson, and I'm like, man, I might have to rent that because that was getting so much hype when that book came out. Yeah, like I, I ha it must be terrible or have a bad distributor or something. But I was interested in seeing. It. I'm like, what's this movie sell? That can't. Yep, it is. It's the Stephen King movie. Well, that's weird because they released 1408, so it's not like you can't just put this one out too. Yeah. And 1408 did a great business, but I think that was coming off the cusp of the whole paranormal activity-like yeah. hype. So yeah, that came out a at a very at a time where people were more thirsty for that sort of thing. I think. Yeah. Uh, Midnight special. Oh yeah, we, everyone, we saw that. Everyone, everyone saw, saw that. that. Yeah. I was kind of so-so on it. 
Um, I don't. But the first forty-five minutes. I feel minutes, yeah, it's far enough away. We can talk a little because we talked. We danced around it before. Yeah. Well, I it to me, I I liked the the look of it. Yeah, and I liked the feel of it. I just wasn't into it. I like Michael Shannon. Yeah, I he like was good a lot in it. of things that he's in, and I keep mentioning the movie Bug. If you have not seen the movie Bug, you got to see the movie Bug because I think that's his Othello, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Midnight Special, it did. It felt like a Steven Spielberg kind of little offshoot, something or other, like an Amazing Stories episode. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. That went, you know, for an hour and forty-five minutes. Uh, there were parts of it that felt a little bit like Looper to me. In, in in a way, mm. as far as like tone the and look. just kind of pacing and look, yeah. Um, but I just it my my soul was not into it. I can tell you that movie lost me when it decided to or show us from the which alter, mountain? show us the alternate dimension where it ended up looking like Tomorrowland. Like, thank you for yeah, taking that, the words out of my, my mouth. <laughs> this is literally what me and Kirby were just talking about when we saw this movie. I'm like. Did this movie just become Tomorrowland? Mm-hmm. Literally, we're watching the movie, and I... I wanted to see a guy in a jetpack. Yeah. It's like, th- this is all the same designs from Tomorrowland. What the fuck were they thinking? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess for me, it was just that I really was reeled in by the first 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was really intense. Yes. The, the kind of uh, the evasion. And I was like, man... And there, there's a real mystery. It's like, what? How do all these groups link together? How you know? It's we know it's this kid. Yeah. But why? And then it's um, you know, and then towards the end, I don't know. I, 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 I like the journey. You know, the, it's, the thing is, we were talking about this. If it just ended with him disappearing and without them showing us a little. It would have been like Starman, and it would have been so much fucking better. It went downhill because Kirsten Dunst was there. Yeah, and you know she was. That's where it did. I mean, we can joke. Yeah, it did. It it, really. She was. She was trying. I mean, I yeah. They didn't really need her, and at that point, the narrative starts splitting up too much. But like, I was fine with the journey. But yeah, it's like okay, why do we need? I feel like they do stuff like this because audiences nowadays are not smart. You can't hint at things. I I think it's because... Like, Close Encounters of the the Third Kind, now that ship is like, why can't we see what's in the ship? Why can't we see the even bigger ship? Why can't we see their planet? You know, it's not enough. Well, I'm pretty sure Independence Day showed that, uh, you know, the new one, that you really don't need to show anything because you can show everything and it won't make a difference. I think the best review I read that it's like Independence Day Resurgence is uh, what would happen if Sci-Fi did a remake of Independence Day. That's true. Well, I didn't. Even, I couldn't even remember what the subtitle was. I want to say retaliation. I was like, oh, no, that's GI Joe. Wait, it's you know? research. Yeah, resurgence. Yeah, but yeah. it's one of those ones. I mean, you do look at you want to, you know, quick touch on where we at are in the summer. I mean, we already have a substantial amount of bombs. I mean, yeah, you have that. You have uh, was that one that BFG? Yeah, was that's totally the one tanked. everyone's talking about right now. It's like what? Well, Steven Spielberg and Disney doing the first film together and only made like nineteen million. Well, I That's... can tell you for the most part, there's a lot of reasons why BFG bombed. I would say bad marketing is a big reason behind it. Um, the I don't cr- like the way it looks. Yeah, the the character designs. Like, I mean, every time I saw because it's appa- like the Polar Express. Yeah, apparently it's it's based on a Roald Dahl book that I guess is very beloved. I was not aware of it at all. Me neither. Um, you know, I know like James and the Giant Peach and Charlie right. and Chocolate Factory, right. but to me, every time I see BFG, I think of Big Fucking, fucking Gun. gun. Yep, yeah, that's very. Yeah. I was just gonna say, <laughs> you know, so like, literally, it's just like, um, what you know, 
I was at the Arclight and they had like exhibits up for it. And I'm just like, man, this giant looks so ugly. I don't want to look at that for two hours. Just lots of little things to me. Yeah, I, I just, because anytime I, uh, yeah, it's like the, the Polar Express, the animation in that is really scary mm-hmm. and creepy. And so with um, with uh, Beowulf. That's what I was going to say. What yeah. was the other one that had that? That's the other one that I just is like, you know, it's at, we, I think we've talked about this before where there's, there's a certain level of, of realistic animation that gets to a, a like this this breakover point and I can't remember what it's specifically called uncanny valley right the, and that's what it has and I don't see why they couldn't do BFG with just simply real actors because I've seen the yeah. actors who play you know who played BFG and uh, Jermaine Clement plays um like yeah the his voice side of the giant of, yeah, yeah. Um, that they just couldn't have used them and then maybe just augmented their features yeah. in order to have like a longer neck or, you know, just kind of kind of that way. But I it seems like it's sold. Scared. It's like the, the, the Robert been... Zemeckis problem of like, okay, we have this technology. We have to use it to the point where it's just nauseam. I can tell you probably part of this, part of the decision making there probably had to do with uh, that Jack Black movie, Gulliver's Travels. Not doing very well. Seems oh, like, I, you, I you know that must have come into play at some point. Like yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Because yeah, that was disappointing too. Yeah, I really the other to one, like um, Jack and, and the Giant Slayer. Oh yeah, was another one that was a huge bomb. Ma- yeah, and that's like three. That's like two bo- big budget bombs having to do with giants right before this one. So maybe it's just it's just not the right time for. Yeah. Giants. Well, the other thing too is I felt like I mean I haven't read too many interviews, but I wonder if it's like a passion piece. The same way that like uh, Tintin and Hugo were, where it's like the directors were like, "We're gonna make this no matter what, whether it succeeds or not. I don't care." Yeah, like they're 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 in between passion piece. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the other thing I read, I Variety did a big think piece about this is you know for the longest time Spielberg was associated with things like E. T. and Goonies, even though he just produced that and. You know, the kind of movies that, like, Midnight Special remind us of. Mm-hmm. But for the past decade, almost plus, Spielberg has pretty much been known for these, like, um, you know, History Channel specials. Right. You know, like Munich and uh, Lincoln. You know, so it's not like 10 years, 10 plus years is a long time, you know, without... And I think Crystal Skull was the only kind of throwback movie he's done in there in this whole time. Which also didn't do really well. So I mean, there's only so much you can do to ride off the past if you're not actively in the language of trying to make things for families and kids anymore. Well, it's also you know, I'm sorry, the uh, one punch, one two punch of AI and Minority Report did. Yeah, woo you, you know, back in the early aughts. I, I've always said the same thing. I, I've always said about Steven Spielberg. He did Duel and Jaws first. Yeah, you can never ever go better. I mean, to me, even though there are other films he made that were great, to me it's like, dude, you you burned out too fast. You yeah. you were too good. It's it's well, not, he's been even, making even, movies for almost fifty years. years. Yeah, you well, know, it's, it's um, a long time. It is. But what I mean is, is that you know, a lot of people, you know, get the, they get that directors get that one film that really gives them their in, their foot in the door. And I I do find, I mean, obviously he has made an immense career. Um, and obviously had uh, uh, so many huge hits, but I just mean it's um, on on like on the other side um, of the the coin to me is a guy like uh, Friedkin who made French Connection, The Exorcist, 
and then just burned out. Yeah. Like, he made two amazing films. It's funny you bring it. It was like Bug and some of his other ones he's done. But, I mean, he has had, you know, or Toby Hooper, a lot of people who have, I mean, we brought it up before, but what I mean is is that I always think of the big, the big budget, you know, big money makers that not only get commercial success but critical acclaim. And I think it's an it's, it's a hard it's a it's hard, hard to even get one. Some directors don't even get one. I mean, you can't hold Spielberg to the same standard. Like every movie has to be an ET, or every movie has to be a Jaws. These are two of the like best movies, yeah, of all time. Oh, I don't hold them to it. I just mean I, that know. I think it's a big part of why I think there's a that period of stagnation. Yeah. Is because that it's like, well what you know, I'm gonna do what I want. It's George Lucas got two. I mean he got George Lucas got American Graffiti and Star Wars. Three if you argue THX one one thirty eight, which I don't. I, I, don't. I th- yeah. I, I would say American Graffiti and Star Wars are classics. The fact that he got anything else that was even close to the quality of that is a miracle. You know, yeah. we're going down a tangent. It is. No, we I, always I, go down a tangent. I watched it before, and I watched it again uh, when I was kind of finishing up some cabling here in the studio. That uh, back in time, the Back to the Future documentary. Yeah. That also kind of follows some of the fans that do the you know rebuild the 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 car and everything, DeLorean and everything. Um, but I don't remember who said if it was Robert Zemeckis or I don't think it was Steven Spielberg that said it, but he kind of aligned with them somewhat saying the same thing that if they had one movie that was perfect from beginning to end, they would be completely happy with that, with like Back to the Future for them because they said everything hit just the right notes like all the way through. Back to the Future is a perfect movie. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what everybody was saying. Yeah. You know, everyone that they were talking to, everybody that was involved. You know, and they they talked to Steven Spielberg, they're talking to Robert Zemeckis, they're talking to the producers, the writers. Um, but they they re they reiterated what you were saying is that you know if if you can have you know your jaws, then just be happy with that because you're not guaranteed to make and you know have lightning yeah. in the bottle again. True. Yeah. You know. Anything else? On but your... it's kind of you know it's kind of disappointing yeah. that oh, sorry. I think for some stuff with um, especially with like Steven yeah. Spielberg and George Lucas, I mean there can be different psychological yeah. things of becoming of having like a hit like that, and then um, even if you're saying to yourself, well, I don't necessarily want to recreate that, but now I have the freedom to do whatever the hell I want because everybody believes in me yeah. and everybody's putting stock in me. That can have a psychological effect well, yeah. on how you approach your next project, how you assemble it, how you put it together, because now you have every resource in front of you. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I can say. I mean, just to tie it back into an earlier discussion, like, you know, Robert Zemeckis did Back to the Future, and mm-hmm. uh, he also did, like, Forrest Gump, right? Yeah, that yes, was Forrest yeah. Gump. Yeah. So that's, like... Two all-time movies right there, and you know, and ever and since then he's been really into experimenting with stuff like Polar Express. These movies that I'm not remotely interested in, but he's been trying to push like technology because and to try to find new methods of filmmaking, right? You know, and he also it, was a huge part of uh, bringing Tales from the Crypt to life. Yeah. So oh yeah, right. yeah. Respect so for that. To, to me, it's like that's a good example of somebody's like, okay, I don't really have anything else to prove. Let me. Play with other stuff. I mean, I, I like, I guess Peter Jackson, you could argue with that with Lord of the Rings. I mean, you know, the Hobbit trilogy is horribly misguided and terrible as it is. I mean, he's trying, he's trying to, you know, Weta 
does does more work than ILM now. You better know? work in most cases yeah, as well. Better, yeah. So to me, I'm like, okay, you can keep doing your weird movies that I'm not really interested in anymore, like your um, lovely bones and whatever. If it'll help other movies, you know, down the line. Well, and then you have Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. He said, you know what? I'm not making Hollywood movies anymore. You guys can all screw off. I'm just going to do like these little tiny little independent things and like show it to some of my friends yeah. and not even. He did what George Lucas had been talking and about. And that's what doing. George Lucas had been yeah. talking about forever and ever. But never actually. But never and, actually. And a big thing about. that Coppola did that I have immense respect for is he gave new filmmakers a chance. Oh, absolutely. He mm-hmm. literally finds, I mean, you know, like Jeepers Creepers is one of my favorite movies of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And he gave, I mean, especially after um, the issues. Um, that Victor Salva has, the director of that film, he um, he gave, still gave him a chance. I mean, mm-hmm. and so I feel like, um, and like when the, I say issues, court. I mean uh, horrible, horrible yeah, crimes. Right. Just crimes. Uh, that I, I just want to make real sure real life crimes, real life crimes. But um, I do think though that, and I agree. I think it's a great point to bring up that um, only an individual can challenge and push themselves. Yeah, and it's not up to the audience or critics or anybody to decide. And I, and if I made one great film, I, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with resting on your laurels in that respect. Mm-hmm. If you decide, especially to go down different paths, and I do think, you know, the the difference between somebody like George Lucas, who did awesome things, like in terms of like Lucas Arts. I mean, those were some of my favorite games from the yeah, '90s. Right. But it's also like, well, you he know, donates a lot of his money. Money and, and yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of great, um, so. you know. Uh, philanthropy and a lot of good things out there. I just feel like um, I don't hold anyone to be like you got to make that uh, you know a caliber of film or it's mm-hmm. got to be no. perfect. I just feel like it's good if they it, do things that they're passionate about. Like yeah. but Quentin Tarantino, how he pretty much only does things he's interested in every few years. Yeah, well, yeah. and that's the other part. And there's always going to be somebody who's you know going to be like or an actor. I mean, you know, it's funny to think of somebody, you know, people will bring up this person or this individual. You know, I always think of a guy like, you really got to wonder why Chris Tucker only makes, has only made like 10 films or whatever it he is. He probably doesn't need to make movies He anymore. doesn't. Well, he made all his money on the Rush Hour yeah. films. But I mean, he took chances. I mean, between like Fifth Element to Silver Lines Playbook. I mean, he's always Chris Tucker generally in one yeah. form or another. But what I mean is, is that I guess... It's kind of a, it's like you brought up Coppola to me as kind of an outsider. I kind of look at a guy like Chris Tucker, who's part of the mainstream, but is also like he totally does whatever he wants. I mean, there's there's just not many people like that left in Hollywood. No matter what, that they have their own ways to go out and about and do it. They still are in the system, but outside of it. Yeah, so, there's something interesting to that, but. Wow, I know we got a lot of catching up to do, or even you know, like it's, <laughs> well, we've been doing it as, as yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought. You know, yeah. it's kind of like the uh, the you know the the school of Roger Corman. True, you know, it goes it goes all the way back to that. Like you know, even those guys looked up to him and how he supported how well, much support he gave. Speaking everybody. of which, I well, got just that. To, just to tie into this whole thing about um, um photorealism and how oh yeah that's what we were that talking throws about. you all off <laughs> I'll, I'll piggyback on that and like uh, i i saw uh the legend of tarzan a week ago yeah um and that's a movie that uh um what's an easy way to say this like you know when you watch indiana jones and the temple of doom i wrote a review on cult following.co2 that i think touches on this and uh you know 
uh, Kate Capshaw's riding an elephant, and then there's you know snakes, and it, you know it's it has a realism. And then years later, Crystal Skull comes around, and there's CGI snakes, and it totally throws you and off. Monkeys. And the monkeys, and the monkeys. Um, so at some point, they the uh, the thinking was like Warner Brothers wanted to do this Tarzan movie, and they're like, well, we can't really use animals anymore. We don't want to get the ASPCA or Which PETA is- on our on our asses. So every animal in the legend of Tarzan is CGI. Mm-hmm. Every animal. And it's just weird because it's not there yet. But it's almost there. You know, but what what did you think of the last couple Planet of the Apes? That see, those looked really yeah, good. See, this is what I'm talking about. I oh, was cap. comparing this movie to Planet of the Apes, and it's just like the apes in that movie look real. Yeah. The apes in this look like off-brand Planet of the Apes. And I feel like it was a stylistic choice. Mm. And it just bugged me. Because I'm like, I know you're doing this on purpose. Because some of these apes have scars and they're trying to give them character. Right. But still make them look real. But it just makes them look off. There's a loft set. Yeah. Because there's like a part where they, he gets back to the Congo and there's like these three lion cubs that have known him since. So he goes up and he's nuzzling against them. And I've seen this... In like the Jurassic Park movies, where like they're like, you know, touching each other's heads, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that looks so cool. But you know, because there's fur and they're doing expressions and everything, yeah. it just looked, yeah, it just looks right. off. Like it's almost, but it's off. And it, like that was what I was thinking the whole time I was watching. It's like it's, you know, like you're watching the Mummy or uh, the Mummy Two, the Rise of the Scorpion King, yeah. and that CGI in it is like really bad because it's not where we are now. And that's like kind of how I think Legend of Tarzan is going to be, because in ten years I think it'll be there, and this will just look weirdly dated because it's almost there. Yeah. Speaking of which, Brandon Fraser really is going to need some CGI for his whatever, hair, whatever movie he goes <laughs> into next. I mean, I've no, I've seen some of the, you know, memes and stuff that are, uh, you know, obviously photoshopped, but the actual real picture of him, it's like. Man, I'm I'm thinking, what was it? Tomb of the Dragon Emperor was 08. Because it came out yeah. right in the Dark Knight, and that's one of the big reasons it... Uh, Bombed. Or, yeah, or, yeah, 08. And, um, you know, that whole Hellboy 2. I'm shocked you remember the name of that movie. I yeah, was just like, the really shitty one with Jet Li. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember, I'm thinking, yeah, that was less than 10 years ago. And yeah. he's already... You know, I wasn't expecting Monkey Bone or Bedazzled 2. But I was. But like, he's been wearing hair pieces for for years. Oh, I don't even mean yeah. just his hair. His his face just yeah. looks so. And, and you know, I don't know. I don't want Rose McGowan coming after me here. I don't know if anybody read her piece recently. No, no, I know what you're talking. But about. it's just it's one of those things where I mean, it, it's I'm not. It's well, not. He's, he's not as fit as what he used to be. Well, it's, so not, it's not trying to be mean or cruel. No, no it's, thing it's one is, of those things where no, it's just like he, he doesn't have features the way that like Bruce Campbell does that are like kind of chiseled. He always had a soft face. Right. As you get older, soft features droop. A little paunchy. Yeah. yeah. That's what's going on there. People get old and, you know. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones, too, where it just, it, I guess you look at him and it's like, I guess what I see is, when I see it, it's less of making fun of it. It's just going, man, is it just, it's a, I guess there's a sadness to it, to me. Well, I like, think not, because the thing of it is, it's, uh, we have a picture of these people from, like, their, you know, and the thing is, in movies, you're that age forever, so when you like look at Meg Ryan and Joe versus the volcano and see her now, it's like jarring. Like ah, how, she looked like this a minute well, ago. Yeah, there was like but a that whole minute gap. ago was, was like 
30 or 40 years right. ago. I mean, no, and that's yeah. and that's very fair and very true. I guess the point uh, to anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, Rose McGowan recently penned a, one of her um op-ed pieces about Renee Zellweger being, you know, like crucified allegedly. And to me what it is is that it's another one where it's like, oh, women um, you know, it's all women are the only ones, you know, it's like, no, I mean, plenty of men age and, and Victor does hit the nail on the head here. I mean, that really is it. It's that people have an immortal image of someone mm. and whatever it is, whatever movie or album or, um, you know, whatever pe- period it was that that embodies the essence of that individual to them, that if that is distilled in any way or altered. Yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't even have to be a well, celebrity. Well, we immediately yeah. go right well, to that. Like when David Bowie and Prince died, like everything was using like images of them from the eighties. Like, and yeah. you're thinking, oh, they look like that now, you know? But it's not. They're just that's what we know them as, and that's what they're going to be forever. So of course, I mean, it helps that they didn't really change all that much. But when you look at Prince in 2016, where he's got like the afro and he's got a little more chiseled features, like, well, it doesn't look like the Prince I know, you know. Yeah, but I've never, I mean, I get me, it's because I'm a gerontologist by education. It's not about aging to me. It's about where I look at somebody and it looks like they've, I, the thing about me about Brandon Fraser was kind of like, uh, you almost feel like, God, man, you've just completely, it's like been thrown away. And I guess that there's something that's less that I make fun of him as it's like, damn, dude, I really, I really feel bad for you because you were actually in a lot of movies I liked. Mm-hmm. I mean, or movies at least I grew up on, you know, and it's kind of like, um, one of those things, you know, you weren't my favorite actor or anything, but yeah. it, you can't deny somebody that they had a role in your life or whatever yeah. it is. And you are exactly right, Adam. It isn't just celebrities, obviously. Yeah. And the I'm- other thing, too, before we go down further down this rabbit hole, is we got to remember, too, he was playing a teenager in the early 90s. And this was the age of a teenager in the early 90s with somebody in their late 20s or early 30s. So it's oh, yeah, not yeah. like he's a young guy. No, he isn't. And, and yeah. a lot of these guys. People aren't young. I mean, and, and, you know, we also are, this is the last comment I'll make on this just because of, I don't think people understand that now they're looking at people and they're like, you know, now we live in a society where you can't have imperfections because people can now, and besides changing whatever they want in utero, can now like literally, I mean, you know, it's like people now have perfect skin, perfect teeth, perfect hair. Uh, for their whole life and it's because you know technology and medicine change all the time and they improve you know just sanitation and health the fact that you can eat any food you want and have medical care anytime you need a perfect pretty much perfect sanitation in most parts of the world especially in the united states you know now you have these perfect people or they're they're genetically bred like mm-hmm. oh we're gonna have two actresses to get or actors together that are the perfect people <laughs> you know whatever you're angelina jolie brad pitt kind of thing and it's like we are going to make we it's literally people are making themselves oh, please. it's a, it's all about the smith kids yeah oh yeah well there's that too they're but, perfect Interesting. I don't know. I, I wish. No, I don't. I Thankfully, this is videotaped, so you can see the look on Adam's face and still shot it and <laughs> turn it into a meme or something because yeah. it was good. But yeah, good point. What else? You got? I, I saw uh, a Krampus. Oh, Krampus. Krampus. Christmas in July. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I liked it. Mm. It was kind of fun. Uh, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not perfect. Um. I wish there was a little bit more of some things and a little bit less of other things. 
but I could see where they were going uh, spiritually with it, uh, where they were grabbing different, uh, I guess, dem feels of like earlier um, efforts of the same ilk. Uh, but you know, I wanted more more critters, but uh, just uh, the the tone seemed to change a little bit too much. Um, throughout the film, uh, there's really not much. To it. Same same thing in the in the same breath. I saw Gods of Egypt. Oh, you just got to take it for what it movie. is. It's yeah. just it's just eye candy. Uh, there's really no substance. I couldn't even tell you what the story was, except they were trying to get an eyeball back. Mm. But I really appreciated what you know. Kind of going back to the BFG just for a moment, is that the gods were larger than life, literally. But they weren't animated until you know until they had their wings and all that stuff and doing all that thing. But uh, totally believable. They felt like they were in that space with the other you know mortals with the mortals in the background. Um, not much else you need to say about Gods of Egypt. I didn't see it. I saw it Kirby the, saw. It. I yeah, saw it the Dollar Theater. Dollar. It's just one of those ones where I was just the only thing that kind of surprised me. Um, what in that film was just that it was like. It's weird because, you know, I can't remember a huge, huge amount of no, it. I, I do remember being bigger than I expected, like, you know, mm-hmm. a real spectacle, especially towards the end and stuff. You know, there were little things in it that I liked. I think it's interesting that um, a lot of people, you kind of mentioned it, that it's about the gods. It's not really about the people of Egypt right. or anything like that. People, <laughs> Victor once brought something up about that, about people thinking, I think it was you or something Maybe it maybe it wasn't, but somebody was like, "Oh, because oh, Assassin's Creed is coming out." There are people who believe the Assassin's Creed games are literal, like living history. Oh my god! And so I, I and I do think there are people who watch a lot of these movies, like, and especially when it comes to um, racial casting with these films, that they believe that people should be cast as you know this person should be this, and it's like. I get where they're coming from. I think it's a, a viable comment. It's just at the same time, when you're talking about gods, we have no idea because that's totally a matter of opinion, literally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? But uh, it was, um, you know, it's it's just one of those ones where um, I, I don't even know how to put it. I didn't I didn't hate it. Right. I, I just didn't. I just, it's like you said, it's an eye candy. You just mm-hmm. watch it. And yeah. then you just walk away. Yeah, it's a you. It's a disposable. It mm. is. That's the best way to put it. But it was just kind of fun to watch. I didn't. I didn't feel like I was. You know, I had to go do something else. Yeah. Or wash the dishes, or you know, clean the room. I mean, sometimes that's just how some of those movies get. You know. Yeah. Um, but entertaining. Yeah. Not bad for you know if you're really searching for something to watch that you just want to maybe roll one eye in in one direction and. You know, one eye on the movie. I mentioned Green Room already in Swiss Army Man. We we missed the whole thing about talking about X Men Apocalypse. By the way, oh, I thought we had. We didn't even talk. Victor did the review on that one. If you want to check it out, yeah. Well, he's the what what happened was if my timeline is correct in uh, the our little podcasting uh, timeline, uh, that you had very strong opinions about it. That's uh-huh. true. Something about 
um, you wanted to bring up after we all saw it something about Jennifer Lawrence. That's true. I said, um, oh, Jennifer that, Lawrence saying it was going to be her last. Yeah, that's film. not what I mean. It's just, um, yeah, no, it's how Jennifer different. Lawrence's star is shown brighter than these movies to the point where like it hurts these movies now. So, hence, we have Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique in her human form for the almost the entire bulk of this movie, correct? Even though she spent the last two movies talking about how. You know, that image of her is a lie, but you know it's probably because she negotiated in her contract that she didn't have to put on the makeup anymore. Right. To where it looked like any time she was in the makeup, it was, like, done with CGI. Right. Or just her face. Yeah. And it just was super obnoxious and annoying. I felt the same way that even though they 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 used Mystique as, not necessarily as a martyr, Toward the end, but um, what what would be a better word for how they how they placed her in a position of being almost uh, the odd, like being looked up to? Yeah, the like other the odd, savior, the like other savior. And I think it's only because Jennifer Lawrence is so popular in other movies that she's taking a role in these X Men movies that that character d- does not have in X Men comics, right? Like. I've seen, uh, I've read comics where like Magneto is treated the way she is in those movies, like you know this uh, mutant revolutionary that everyone looks up to. Right. But here it just like didn't seem to earn to me. I'm like, oh, this is happening because you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it did. That was part of the cynicism that I had with it. Um, the girl, the Sansa Stark, uh, Jean. Oh Grey. yeah. I'm not sold on her as an actress so much. Um, I mean, I, I am after of, the last couple, that last few episodes of Game of Thrones. A little bit, just a yeah. little bit. I don't think she emotes very much, and that fits for Game of Thrones. Yeah, because she barely even smiles in the last like yeah. two episodes ago when she does something that's really horrific with that you know oh, revenge yeah. thing, where she somewhat emotes. But most of the time, when you look at at her, she's not really doing much except just delivering the lines in a very stoic manner. Yeah. Uh, And that worked its way into X-Men Apocalypse, which I thought was disappointing for the Jean Grey character. Yeah. Maybe when she screams at the end and, you know, gets her... You know, fire going on yeah. and everything. That's I the mean, only I, time she really yeah, emotes. It's in it. not on video yet, so I don't want to really spoil it too much. But I will say that emote, like, there's too much of this slow mo, silent screaming kind of. Right. Like, it went right before that fire part happens. I'm like, you're just sitting there, like, we know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Just get there. But it's just padded out, padded out, slow mo. I'm like, that's the part in the yep. trailer where you play the uh, haunting piano version of like whatever '80s hit song or '90s yeah. hit song. Oh, it would have been really great if they went da 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 da. Oh, Spe- yeah. Speaking of one of the better parts of Swiss Army, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I I've just noticed that by the way, just as the quickest tangent because I just saw. Um, I mean, it I is saw... tr- like just to stop oh, uh, yeah. a Q and A thing. They meant like people in the audience were like, that is a generational touchstone. Like when you think of awe, you think of that theme. And then I was thinking when I saw Ted 2, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yes, I don't remember. Yeah, and there's like a part where that theme comes into play, mm-hmm. and then it's just mocking any time characters are in awe. Like, you know, um, Amanda Seyfried's just like, no words. They should have sent a poet. I'm like, God. <laughs> it was funny, but yeah. It, right. It was, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but what, much better done in, in Swiss Army Man. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. by far. Um, no, what I was going to say with that is I did notice when I once saw um, the purge election year is one of the ones that are really hyping up for the fall is the woods, and it is um this very slow, of course, acoustic version or piano version of every breath you take, and I'm just like, is there any movie or show that is not gonna do this in the trailer? Like I'm truly blown away, and I'm not saying all those songs are bad or the versions are bad, because I think some are quite good. Yeah, it's just it's a trend just, right it's now. Just, it's... Well, it's been a trend since CSI in, mm-hmm. like, the mid-2000s. I mean, once, or what was the one, um... The I think the Donnie trailer, Darko, the trailer the... for Don't Breathe does the same thing with, yeah. like, a weird... Well, so does Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I was thinking, um, no, Donnie Darko, Mad World. Yeah. Like, that was one of the first ones I remember people mm-hmm. going, oh, I remember this song, but I've never heard it like this. Yeah. Um... But, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, with the whole of the X-Men apocalypse, I mean, X-Men is probably my favorite uh, comic out of the two big two. Um, you know, it's my favorite from childhood. The original uh, Fox anim- cartoon is one of my all-time favorites. And what I hope the movie will be like every single time. I mean, you just pray for that. Like, yeah. The storylines, the... The, you know everything was perfect. I'm I mean, starting to think they just got lucky with uh with Days of Future Past being like good at this point. I think Days of Future Past is good, but my my vote is always with X two. To me, that is the definitive X film. Is, personally, I, I feel like I rewatched that not too long ago. I don't think it aged well. Oh, see, for me, it still ages better than all. And I really think and like Apocalypse, like draws so hard from that movie well yeah but i think the thing is is that one of my favorite parts of x2 is striker and his portrayal of him to me is is perfect it's Mm -hmm. spot on but because he's instead of being these unbelievable amount like these these uh, all-star casts of every character Mm -hmm. or where they try to throw in the character or an origin story I mean, you know, it's like it's halfway through the year, and right now for me, the only superhero film I really am going to put on, I think, on my list is Deadpool. Just for even though I didn't, it's not my favorite or anything, because I mean, I look back at Batman v Superman and some of the other ones that have come out, and so far as I'm good, I really, I'm, I have high hopes for Suicide Squad personally. Yeah, like I'm really hoping that's going to be the other one that because I want to still like comic book movies, I just don't anymore. It's it's a chore for me to watch the majority. Of them. I still get a tinge of excitement when I see a new trailer, but like X Men for me is one of the big ones. I like Nightcrawler being in, being that he's yeah. probably my favorite. Yeah. And I will say that no matter what, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Yeah. But there are and we've talked about that before. But there's just there's something always missing in every X Men movie, and it's not Ivan Ooze in this one. Like, because I, I, sorry, that's not Apocalypse for me. Not even close. It, it, they could have, they could have really simplified the makeup and got rid of the hoses or whatever that are around his neck, um, because he just gets lost 
in that makeup. It's yeah. just it was just a waste of a performance. I, I wouldn't call it Ivan Ooze. Oscar Isaac is clearly playing him as raw from Stargate. Like it's pretty much Stargate. No, I'm just talking yeah. about the makeup. Not the I performance mean, is quite fine. No, yeah, it's just, I mean it shifts in parts, but yeah. yeah, it's not bad or anything. It's just a matter of. It was weird though when I watched the beginning of that. I totally did think of Gods of Egypt too. Yeah. When I, I think of that, but yeah, it's just, I was just like, "This is Stargate." Like, yeah, there was a lot of Stargate too, uh, which is an interesting film yeah. that's permeated kind of like Fifth Element into a lot of these modern yeah. films I'm watching now. Going, God, this really reminds me of something from one of those. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. That's it's it's one of those ones where yeah, it's not. It was a big tentpole, and now it's kind of like. Was it a month ago? Month a month and some change, and it's already. Oh yeah, no. Uh, Ruby still really wants to see it, and it's just not playing anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But that's kind of the way it works. So, yeah. um, well, we still got some time to definitely hear everything. Victor took a big trip this weekend here. Oh yeah, we probably won't get into that. Oh yeah, yeah. Yet, but um, but that was where I saw Swiss Army Man, right? Yeah, I went to the uh, Arc Light and uh, I saw Swiss Army Man there, and so they could because I guess. Uh, a twenty four had a lot of lot of people because uh, Nicholas Winding Refn was there at the same time doing a uh, screening of Neon Demon, which I think Devin also did a Q and A for at the end. And I we chose to see Swiss Army Man, and I stick by that. Um, yeah, I saw Neon Demon, and like all I can pretty much say is, um, like I've all. You know, I've been a pretty big defender of Nicholas Winding Refn. Um, I, I really like Drive. I think Only God Forgives is good. I even think Valhalla Rising is all right for what it is. But this movie, Neon Demon, pretty much made me think uh, Drive being good was a fluke. Um, like, he must have thought this the, the subject matter was actually really interesting in a way that it really isn't. Maybe Drive or? No, Neon Neon Demon. And it just, it doesn't work Hmm. on so many levels. Can I ask one question? Yeah. The one thing when I saw the trailer a little bit about this film, I was like, isn't this Starry Eyes? It's it's Starry Eyes. It's Mulholland Drive. It's Lost Highway. It's... Like it's literally, you watch. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's rough in doing bad Lynch. The story, the story is like straight up, just you know, girl goes to Hollywood, and it, it, it's just the thing is, like, even if I explain the plot, it's still kind of stupid. It's stupid. Like, it's Elle Fanning though in Hollywood discovering what's is, behind the models, right? Yeah, yeah. If if only it was that like straightforward, they do that. But then it seems like the movie takes place over two days, where she goes from being an unknown to like queen model. Like, it, there's no progression. There's like a B plot with a photographer who likes her, and Keanu Reeves is a dick rental manager. Literally, like. And it goes nowhere. Christina Hendricks is in it for a couple of minutes. I'm not really spoiling it because I'm not really telling you what happens in it. But, like, it borrows really bad for movies like um, The Hunger, especially. Even Necromantic. And it's, yeah, it's just, I, I really, it's one of those movies where I went in really, really wanting to like it. And, you know, when you really want to like something... You're justifying it to yourself as you're watching it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just as like, no. 
and like it, 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 it's pretty. It's a really pretty movie. The score is really good. But yeah, I just didn't care for it. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, and I don't want to, you know, ruin it for you guys if you want to see it. But I was just not a big fan of it. And um, no, yeah. I wasn't. I like the, the Drive. Uh, wasn't a movie that I would, I'd really want to see again. Even though I thought, you know, I thought it was all right. I thought the performances were good. I thought the look was good. I thought the pace was good. But once I saw it, I'm like, I don't really need to see it again. Yeah. Um, it's just like it, you know, if I wanted to be a dick, I, I would, no, nah, I won't go there. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I won't. Yeah. Like I said, I, I wouldn't recommend it. That's just. Uh, are you still watching Preacher? Uh, uh, I'm a few episodes up. behind. So What's I'm, that, Curbs? Oh, I said I had meant to bring that up in my television. That was the one I was missing. Yeah, I'm like two episodes behind. Yeah, I'm a couple episodes behind. Are you all, are you up to date? Yes, up to uh, not. I'm sorry, because one six episode just behind. Came out. I did okay. not watch six, just okay. five. But yeah, still, it's I think still... I watched like yeah the first three. Yeah, I'm still interested. I'm still intrigued. Yeah. It's just yeah, I'm doing a, like a catch up with that. Yeah, um, that's a good show. Yeah, like I said, I watched Legend of Tarzan. Um, I mean. I think that's a good movie if you have kids to go take them to. I think you told me that you know you you thought it was entertaining. It's it's a good B movie. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I call it. Like it's not terrible. I thought Margot Robbie was really good in it, and um, it's weird. Here's what I'll say. Um, it's I think this is in my review too. Um, it's very League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because Samuel Jackson's character, who's Tarzan's like kind of sidekick in this movie, and he's really good in it. Um, is a real person, and the villain in this, uh, the guy that uh, Christoph Waltz plays, Leon Rome, mm-hmm. is also a real person, but they put them in like scenarios that didn't happen. Gotcha. So it's like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but with real people, you know, and like meeting up with you know fictional characters. <laughs> so I would say like that. It's like a good League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. Oh sure. Yeah. Now I want to see it in more. Yeah. But like I, I said, the 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 CGI kind of throws you off. But Margot yeah. Robbie, I would say, is because she plays like kind of like um, she's kind of like Kim Cattrall in Big Trouble in Little China. Okay, like that kind of a character. Okay, and I remember I was telling Ruby like I, this is how they should have written Lois Lane in in the Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. more like feisty and less Superman's going to save me, like damsel in distress. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. Which I'm tired of. Yeah. I'm glad to see more of those. Yeah, um, I saw the Purge election year, which I thought was really good. Um, I think it's really. But you awesome. like the other ones, right? Yeah, and I read Kirby's review, and I kind and I agree with him. Where it's like it's weird how this started off as kind of like a small survival horror movie, mm-hmm. and then it kind of just like turned into this like uh, escape from New York like kind of thing. And 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 this one is kind of like the Warriors meets Escape from L.A. Hmm. You know, like it's become this weird sci-fi political satire thing that That's I don't cool. think anybody really saw it turning into. Sure. Another one I thought of right after, which by the way, I didn't even think of the Warriors. That's a great point. That's yeah. probably where I should have put towards that um, journey kind of film, like yeah. the second one. But um, I, real quick was Larry Cohen. I felt a little bit like the stuff, a lot of his uh, political mm. kind of movies, God told me to. I felt a little bit. That's where I feel like the Purge series is. I may add that in because I like to revise my yeah. reviews all the time. That's what I love about electronic uh, journalism. And yeah. anytime you can give a shout out to Larry Cohen. Yeah, Larry Cohen rules the stuff. To me, yeah, and I I really liked um, the whole fact that like they've kind of as these movies have aged, like this one kind of gave you a timeline of how long the New Founding Fathers have been ruling America. 
you can kind of argue that a lot of time has passed since the first purge. Like, cause this, in my mind, this is how it was, where it's like the first purge is about like white collar people kind of, you know, class struggle on that level. And, you know, they're all protected in their enclaves. And, you know, the second one opens it up more where you see like these people, they don't want to get their hands dirty anymore. So they're buying poor and homeless people, you know, and then the, the poor and homeless are just kind of trying to survive to where like 25 years later, this is where like, uh, you know, the like the gangs of it's just become like minority on minority violence because now they don't know any better. It's so ingrained. You have this like generational thing where like, oh, yeah, well, this is just when we kill people and it fucks us over. But why don't we don't care? You know, it's, a it's like the passage. The, yeah. The generation of, of either you had the Internet growing up or you didn't. Yeah. You know, and to me, that was just, like, really interesting how it's gone to the point where, like, oh, this is always going to be there no matter what. So they, they don't – they go against their own interests, and it's just interesting how it just, you know, it's – Logan's uh, run. Yeah, It's exactly. become, like, its own religion. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that's the thing. In the first one, like, the whole – there's a whole tie into religion and the state. Like, so, yeah, it's become a lot – that's where my escape from L.A. Uh, comparison came in because in that movie – the president is this also like a religious leader, which is totally right. what's happening in this movie, you know. So I, I thought that was really interesting. It's like, oh, weird. Yeah, it's gone like from like this weird siege, small siege movie to like this whole like uh, open world, open ended gang world thing, you know, where like you know the gang members look like uh you know people from Liberia or the Congo with their gold plated guns and shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gladiatorial and mm-hmm. stuff. It starts getting kind of a, uh, yeah, definitely more of an ingrained. I mean, I, I think the thing that's cool, and they did it in the last one too, are how you're seeing glimpses of other potential movies that are happening at the exact same time. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you see people with elaborate like uh, guillotines and shit, and like, what the fuck is going on? And they just drive by, you just get a glimpse of it, you know? There's like a great gag I would love to spoil, but I'm not going to. I will say, um, the uh, it involves a giant swinging axe. Yeah, that was yeah. great. But the um, <laughs> which is in the trailer. Yeah, but um, I'm, I'll leave it as the um, the candy bar uh, mm-hmm. second time yeah. around was I was like mouth dropped open, just perfect. Loved yeah. it. I think that's it sold me that in the ending, but. Very good stuff. But yeah, Bloomhouse, I think, is having a really good year. Um, yeah, I saw Lights Out. I can't really talk about it until the 19th. Um, I will say it's a lot like the Babadook and Insidious. A lot. Okay. Right. What else? Uh, I saw and Batman. That's Bloomhouse, too, right? Yeah. I okay. saw Batman versus Superman. Oh, yeah. Dawn I of hear Justice. The, uh, Ultimate Edition. Ultimate Rated um, X edition. So, uh, what I'll say this is there's a lot of, you know, I don't feel bad about spoiling certain things here because it's, to me, it's like Sucker Punch, the director's cut. And to me, it's like at, at a certain point, I kind of wish Warner Brothers would just tell Zack Snyder, okay, the longer cut is better. This is what we're going to release because the director's cut of Sucker Punch is a million times better than the theatrical cut. This one. And this is why I, I think Warner Brothers doesn't get why Marvel movies work. There's at least two or three moments, like little 20-second things. If they let them in, half the people bitching about why they didn't like the other movie 
um, one bitch about it. And to me, one of the big ones happens at the end of the movie where, like, you guys have seen Batman versus Superman, right? Yeah. We talked about it. We sure did. Yeah. So there's a part where Batman shows up when Lex Luthor has his head shaved in jail, right? And he's about to brand him in the theatrical version, what we all remember. And he's like, here, you know, he said something like, you know, this is so you'll get what's coming to you or something. And then, like, Lex just says, but the bell's been rung and it can't be unrung. And then Batman punches the thing. There is about 40 seconds there where they cut out where Batman's about to punch him. And it's like, oh, and uh, and as society falls, so does Wayne Manor. Oh, but who would believe me? After all, I'm mentally unfit. I can't even stand trial. And then Batman goes, that's right. They have metal hospitals where they where patients receive appropriate care. And then Lex smiles. And then Batman goes, but you're not going there. I, I've arranged to have you transferred to Arkham Asylum. I still have some friends there. And then Lex Luthor goes, but they but the bell's been rung up in the stars. He's coming. He's coming. And I'm like, why the fuck did they cut this out? <laughs> they cut out, you know, everybody was arguing, is the nightmare sequence a dream or not? They cut out five seconds where, right, he wakes up, right? And there's papers and shit still flying around. <laughs> it To me, it was like, why the fuck would you cut that out? That would have solved any fucking debate about that scene whatsoever. Like little nonsensical things that make no sense to me. Yeah, I think for some of the the big big fans, I went into it really not with well, I didn't I didn't see the the ultimate rated X edition. Oh, you need to see it. It makes it a lot better. Right, but I but see, I already liked it to yeah. begin with. If so, you no, like it, you'll like it more. Great. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that I'm not the big I, I read your your initial review on Cult Following CO, and if you're yeah. listening now and you haven't read it, you have to read it because you have to read it because Victor goes in depth. Yeah, I'm doing I, one for Ultimate Edition cool. too. But I was never that deep into it. I didn't know anything about the 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 circumstances behind anything in the nightmare. The only questions that I really had that weren't really particularly clear to me. Uh, were the things that were uber geekdom knowledge mm. cookies. Uh, I didn't understand where Batman was sitting at his computer and there was that, that temporal rift and, and some guy's head popped through yeah. and, and was telling him stuff. I was like, well, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, who the hell is that person? I have no idea who that yeah. person is. And... Where's the where's the payoff? I didn't really understand yeah, like see, how that played out. I mean, now I'm gonna have to wait. Like, and it's almost like the the same thing with like the the in uh, Age of Ultron when Thor's in the in the bathwater or whatever, and and seeing all these visions. I'm like, okay, yeah. what the hell's going on? What is? I go back Yeah. Well, to me, this is like why I said them cutting out that reference to Arkham Asylum to me seems really stupid. Because that's all people would have been talking about. It would have covered up a lot of, you know, talk about critical stuff. Sure. Because I remember when Avengers, the first one, came out, and at the end, it has that shot of Thanos, and right. he doesn't look like Thanos. Like, because to me, I always thought that black under his helmet was just like part of his mask. So when they show this purple grinning guy, I'm <laughs> like, I 
think that's that. Like, I remember watching in advance, and pe- like two people were like, and everyone's like, who is, <laughs> well, that? who is that? And that's all people were talking about. Who was that? Not, you know, talking about any narrative issues. Yeah. So it's like, if you leave good Easter eggs, that'll cover up bad press. And to me, like, the thing that the Ultimate Edition does is it makes the A, it tries to make more sense of the A plot, mm-hmm. where basically you get these little scenes where you realize Lex is crazy from the get-go. He knows who Bruce and Superman are right from the beginning and tries to orchestrate this fight. Yeah. Because it says he, like, there's a scene where Super where Clark gets in, in, like, Perry says, oh, you've been invited to this thing at mm-hmm. Lex Luthor. Some, guess some old lady must have a thing for you know, farm boys from Kansas because they asked for you specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, little things. And, like, okay, they're trying to show that there was more, this was way more orchestrated. And then it tries to explain the A plot, you know, because at the beginning, it, there's a black lady who's talking about, like, Superman in front of the the Senate hearing. You're like, why is she talking there? Well, it's because when Superman leaves, those mercenaries burn the bodies of the guys they killed to make it look like Superman killed them all. Gotcha. Yep. All right. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. They're doing – so all the talking heads are like Superman's, like, tr- flying around – doing these like state level like Benghazi shit. Right. So should the US be responsible? There's even a part where John Stewart is in the movie and then he's on the Daily Show and clearly they cut him out because he wasn't the host then where he's talking about, well the U he's Superman says he doesn't represent America even though he's got, you know, he's red and blue and he's got one third of our initials on his chest, you know, and it's kind of like, okay, I see where they're kind of going with this. And then it turns out those mercenaries and that lady were all paid off by Luthor to kind of put him in that uh, Senate room mm-hmm. so he could um, blow up the the Capitol and make it look like Superman did it. And to me, this is why the the, edition, the Ultimate Edition was better because, you know, it has a stupid jar of piss scene, right? Mm-hmm. It has more dialogue in the prelude where they're talking about it where he says um, – you know, oh, I'm not going to give you that mineral because I know you're going to use it as, as some kind of assassination scheme. And it's like, well, that's not where I'm coming from. It's like, well, that may not be where you're coming from, but if you put a jar of uh, piss and call it Granny's peach tea, I'm not going to drink it. So basically, it's alluding to this conversation that was cut out of the movie. Mm-hmm. And See, I'm I, like, didn't, I didn't have any of those questions. I think in to hindsight... To me, it's just it's weird shit because I'm like, this is what holds up the right. crux no, of no, the movie. And, and yeah. the way that you're looking at it, it's all yeah. in hindsight. Yeah. Because to me, I followed all of everything that yeah. you said they put in to explain yeah. it even more. Yeah. So I can see why they cut it. They wanted it to be... Because what was already there, the theatrical cut was three hours? Yeah. Wasn't it just under three it hours already? It was two hours and 36 minutes. So what's what's the extended one now? It's, uh, it's like a little over three. Like by how much? Like, like 20 about minutes? 20 plus minutes. Okay. I mean, that's a good amount. That's that's very lengthy. Yeah, that's but at the same time, it just flows better. Like there, and like I said, there's still problems I have. That jar of piss scene where she's discuss—it still plays too fucking long. There's too many reaction shots, <laughs> and it's playing off you remembering a small snippet of dialogue an hour and a half before that. So yeah. literally, I would have restructured that from the get-go. You know, well, we need we need a Victor cut to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, it's just that like. When I was mentioning earlier about Deadpool being really the only comic movie, I did like Batman v Superman. I mean, it's not that I didn't like it. Obviously, I was kind of waiting for this. I'm excited to check out the 
the extended version to see how, you know, because it's interesting, especially to go back to a film and see maybe how it could have been, should have been. Yeah. And for me, most of the points, I, I'm kind of with Adam that I didn't have a lot of questions, except I do think and you brought it up first was the jail scene. Yeah. Which I do feel like that is actually what I was waiting for was the Arkham Asylum part. Yeah. More almost like the video game series. Yeah. Where you were going to see him, grab him, and it was going to be kind of that well, style. To me, it also seems stupid because this is supposed to be a universe building scene or a movie, right? And the next movie is Suicide Squad. Clearly, there's going to be an Arkham reference in that. Wouldn't yeah. you want to tie it together? It just it seemed kind of stupid, you know. Like, I I don't know. To me, I I don't know where the decision makers are. Maybe like to me, it's like extraneous dialogue. Clip, clip, clip. Yeah, they just wanted to get get to the end. Yeah, done, and but... and to me, it's just like at certain points, you got to think of your audience and realize, okay, this is gonna play well. Leave that in there, you know. Versus some other things where like. The funeral stuff, the funeral of Superman, to me, that was, like, not really that interesting because as an audience, we know Superman's going to come back. Right. So who gives a fuck, right. you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I guess for me in the end, and I probably brought this up when we originally talked about it, is that when I stopped reading um, Marvel and DC comics, I got into comics. I mean, I grew up with them, but, I mean, I would definitely say the late 80s, early 90s were the, I mean, obviously a prime period, but a big part of it was is that one of the defining moments, or at least one of the first times I realized, um, and this is the era of chromium and hologram covers and like so much excess in the industry, while also being the rise of companies like Image and Valiant and the underground was is that the death of Superman was like the number one story yeah. of the early 90s. And it was so important. And then obviously what happened with it the uh four supermen yeah. and um you know the idea of it because when i heard doomsday was going to be the villain you know i already knew where this was going yeah. um in terms of the universe and then obviously the different bits with like aquaman and stuff like yeah. you said saying up a universe and it, here here's the, yeah just to, there's just a cut one more thing i want to add to this yeah. that i so it makes you guys remember batman versus superman uh, Perry keeps making a big deal of the fact that he's having Clark cover some kind of sports thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and we all know Zack Snyder did Watchmen. And, like, if you've seen the ultimate cut of Watchmen, how they have the scene with the, the guys at the comic at the newsstand who read the, the pirate comic, it's kind of like commentary on the bigger action, you know, like they're reading, and it's kind of core going along with what the hero characters are doing, right? Mm-hmm. There's something like that in Batman versus Superman, but they cut it out almost completely where it turns out Gotham's football team is playing Metropolis's in something like the NFC Championship. And uh, they cut to scenes in Gotham where people are commenting on it as like mo- throughout the movie where it's happening because it's a really close battle and people are really close series and people are like, Say, oh, you know, Gotham always cheats. That's why they win. You know, or like oh, Metropolis is better. We all know. So it's like a little meta kind of thing mm-hmm. that's actually pretty clever. And it sets up a lot of scenes like the first time Batman shows up because cops are listening to the game on the radio. And I was like, oh, I can't believe, you know, again, it comes back to like, oh, that would have been really cool to keep that in just because I like kind of meta commentary. Sure. You know, and I'm not saying the movie. There's like stuff in here like that that I didn't think fit in the first movie. That like in this, like, why did it? 
You know, like there's a part where I think we mentioned on the last podcast where Bruce Wayne is in bed and he wakes up and there's some random chick sleeping next to him. Right. They never explain that. Yeah, I, I kind of I remember watching that and going, okay, who is it? Is it just it's is it Bruce Wayne being the playboy like oh here's yeah, just some random yeah. supermodel or is this going to be a setup for some yeah, other character? Yeah, it's not. You, there's no setup before or after. It's just some girls like. Do you know what's funny is is that you talk about universe building. The very first thing I thought of when you brought up, I mean, I definitely remember the sports story. It's yeah. clearly noted that. You know, you're set up like it's an idea of a distraction. Yeah. Like, I won't want you. I, this is the story I want you on. You need to stop. But yeah. the very first thing I thought was, like, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to go down. Hey, you remember that game in The Dark Knight Rises? I really thought that's where it was yeah. going. Like, you know, but they don't have that kind of set. Things I, I, are not I linked that way. I almost feel if Bale had played Affleck, they would have acted like this was one big continuity from the get-go. True. That's that's my my take yeah. on it, but uh, for the most part, it's just like yeah, like there's like some scenes just play long, like the like again the jar of piss scene still plays long. I will say that there's a lot more of Alfred and Bruce in this, which I like, and he seems like more of a detective. Mm-hmm. The one big revelation I like about it is that you find out, you know, it in the theatrical cut, it seems like he just stumbles on like the knowledge that the white Portuguese was was um a boat like on accident like oops i guess they w- <laughs> right but this time you find out they talk about early on and he's telling alfred that he's trying to find this white portuguese because there's a dirty bomb aboard it and it turns out he's all he's been looking for the kryptonite right from the get-go mm-hmm. leading from the prelude when you know yep. wayne get wayne enterprise is destroyed so he's just been keeping alfred in the dark and there's like some angst there you know Jeez, oh, what a what a thick movie! <laughs> There's a lot going on. It's like very. I mean, it's like molasses. It's dense. it's dense. Very dense. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. That's you know, I had this when we talked about Ultron. There's just so much shit going on with these movies that are yeah. there to lay foundations. I'm like, man, there's like nine or like seven or eight A or B plots. You yeah, know? but the difference is with Age of Ultron, I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely it. didn't. I don't just. I mean, I literally. I saw that again recently, and I just couldn't even watch it. It's very empty. It's yeah, just I've, so hard. Yeah, I've and, seen both versions now of Batman versus Superman multiple times, and I'll watch it more. I think it's a really solid movie. I love the score. If I see um, Winter Soldier, uh, Civil War, more than a couple times, I'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm no- just like, I'm not a big Spider-Man guy, and I just don't think that movie was that interesting. In fact, I'm not even that into Doctor Strange. So I'm not into like I said I'm not into comic book movies really anymore. I'm just hoping I keep I I still maintain some amount of Stanley like hope that eventually there will come you know a movie and I and I do mean comic book movies. I do not mean graphic novel films. I'm I'm talking about solely the big two really here where it's like you know I I just want something great and it's just. I, it's really been. I, I have hope. I have faith. Some faith in Suicide Squad, in at least, if nothing else, being a fun summer movie. I get the feeling it's going to be a lot like the uh, Assault on Arkham animated movie, where like, uh, especially with the latest trailer, now that they're showing Batman in it a lot, because Batman Assault on Arkham was a Suicide Squad 
uh, animated movie, and Batman was just kind of like the bookend. I have personally put a moratorium on seeing any more trailers for Suicide Squad. You shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't. So watch it's been anymore. it's been a few months seen, since I've, I've seen, seen any of the yeah. Batman stuff, so I don't even know that. Batman I was gonna say though, I did notice I don't keep up, obviously, with the, uh, you know. Uh, I don't collect a lot of single issue comic books anymore, but I have noticed that Harley Quinn stuff is like hanging the Deadpool numbers now. Mm-hmm. Like the well, Harley one. Quinn is uh, DC's most popular character next to Batman. Those are the yeah. two most popular. It is insane characters. Though, how much I was in a show. I think it was in all about books and comics, and they had her first appearance, and it was, I think, like thousand yeah. plus, and it was like, damn! Like I just cannot believe. This is is that big. But, I mean, I guess, too, you know, one thing I will give respect to the Harley Quinn character, besides that it's definitely not bad character, was, you know, you realize growing up with Batman the Animated Series where it's her. She's yeah one of the top characters. It's like something you grow up with. Well, so I mean, I'm I think excited. they should give a lot of props to uh, Jimmy Pal- Palmiotti and, uh, and his wife Amanda because they're the ones who pretty much turned her into her own character. And not a Joker sidekick. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Joe Kelly and Deadpool. Like Liefeld takes all the credit, but really, Joe Kelly and other people are the ones who kind of turned him into the character he is now, versus just being a Deathstroke ripoff when he started. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, it's that's a lot of movies we've been watching. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, we gotta wrap it up. Yeah, yeah we're definitely wrap it up. Yeah, but I think this Adam's got to uh, go work and watch the extended cut. <laughs> yeah, this is a good episode. I'll probably get a review of extended edition uh, or ultimate edition sometime this week. Um, and I'll have a review of Lights Out um, on the 19th. Um, seeing Equals, the new uh, the new movie with Nicholas Holt, who plays Beast, and... Um, Kristen Stewart, Nicks. who who uh, plays uh, from Twilight and American Ultra, it looks like THX one one thirty eight meets Gattaca. Oh, speaking of Nicholas Holt, yeah, I'm working on a new project, video project. Uh huh. I am doing a black and white version of uh, Fury Road. Oh, nice! That'll wow. be cool. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's not just a matter of going in and then just turning the saturation all the mm-hmm. way down. I'm going to do it scene by scene. Oh, wow! So I get the contrast. Nice. Right. That'll be dope. Yeah, In case you didn't know, Adam's a genius. Yeah. But it's going to take me forever. Yeah, They'll probably like that German release that they're doing now with the box set yeah. of Fury Road of the black and white version. No, it's one. And then it's, it'll probably, by the time I get done with my version, you know, they'll probably have the U.S. version. Right. Here yeah, it's that funny. Habit. That's the only one I really did like in Apocalypse. I had meant to say that. I actually really like Hank McCoy. Yeah. He does a really good mm, they've Hank done McCoy good and him. Beast. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll have a review of the new Ghostbusters next week, too. On cultfollowing.co and probably AvFab the movie. We'll have a review of that too. I'll hopefully add a few more myself. Here. Yeah, I don't know. We've all ha- we've we've had the ecto cooler. By the way, if you can find it, because uh, what were your thoughts on it, Adam? Yeah, uh, as we wrap, wrap I'm up. I'm over it. It it did. I I think I like just regular orange high C that you get like at McDonald's. Uh-huh. I I think I'm more uh, nostalgic for that. Just remember as being a kid when uh, parents would have like a birthday party or uh, if we were at a t-ball game and they would have uh, catering by McDonald's and they would have the big jug of orange high C drink. Yeah. And that always tasted better to me. And then that's kind of what I was expecting out of this. But I remember that it was a little bit weird. 
a little bit different. It's a little bit more tart than what yeah, I remember. It's a tangerine. And I was it it just it gave a really bad aftertaste. It's really weirdly sugary. I'm not super crazy. It's about just as it. sugary as just anything well, else extreme, that High C does. But yeah, it's extremely sugary because when I was a kid, we stored Ecto Cooler in our like basement cellar. Uh-huh. And one time we, I must have gotten sick of it and stopped drinking. It, but then my mother had to put something in my lunch, and it was that. And it Did had it all totally, solidify. No, it had completely fermented. Fermented. And so I was nice. drinking. Ecto wine. Ecto wine. And, uh, this yeah. is back, yeah. What do they call kid. that? Toilet wine? Yeah, it was toilet wine in the pre straight edge years. Wow. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I got experience. two cases that'll probably end up happening. Me too. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, your, it'll become like a hipster thing yeah. to have an Ecto wine, vino party. But um, I haven't tried yet. I actually I haven't gone out and really found it. I haven't wanted to order it. I kept a can. I'm going to keep sealed. Um, I actually ordered one of my favorite. I'm really big into custom toys right now and custom figures. And I ordered a lot from a guy, a Super Secret Fun Club. And I got a couple of his Ghostbusters one. And one of them included the carton of Ecto Cooler. Huh. So uh-huh. I'm going to try it that way. We were going to have an on-air thing. And I, Victor was kind enough to furnish them. But I just, yeah, I'm not... I'm just not that excited. I mean, it's kind of like... I know. I wanted it to be a thing because uh, I want... You know, like last year... I. I I had brought and gotten some. Uh, I was gonna get some Halloween whoppers for us to have on air, but I got into a car <laughs> crash as I was driving to uh, to get them to our taping. So that ended up not working out. Yeah, the um, there's just. I mean, the only thing I will say was looking up Ecto Cooler on Amazon Pantry. It shows the rabbit hole of like squeezits and Dunkaroos and Surge and all oh, these yeah. other foods which is an Surge is affordable. I yeah, mean, it's very affordable. But I would say it's it's clearly interesting. Canadian. Yeah. It's the interesting part of how how great like on demand stuff is. It's literally a manufactured on demand product. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you know you can bring stuff back. I I'm you know it used to be like you would search out the stuff in like gray market goods like dollar stores. I always remember when something got discontinued. I'd go immediately to the dollar store. Well, Crystal see if Pepsi it is coming back too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course that. Well, one. hopefully it's the kind that actually tastes like Pepsi, not the. Instead of the well, yeah. Now the, they have the uh, twelve dollar Pepsi, the eighteen hundreds Pepsi or something. It's, did it have cocaine in it? Uh, no, that was actually just Coke, as far as I know. But maybe real Pepsid in the uh, oh, Pepsi. Oh, funny. Um, but it was just in, you know, and you know, all and that a little bit of stuff. arsenic thrown in there too. Right. Maybe maybe a little antifreeze too. Yeah. You know, who knows? That might be the... Uh, I don't, yeah, don't want to know. Yeah, but... Um, Snake oil. Yeah, lots of stuff here. So we can finally oh, take yeah, a breather. Oh, yeah, we are trying to wrap up. Yeah. Well, no, we can finally take a breather from trying to remember everything. But we'll have more stuff up on callfolling.co. We got um, Scott Pilgrim coming up. What do we got, Jump Cut? Uh, we've got uh, Wayne's World on uh, July 29th. The tickets are still available for that. And... Uh, Cult at Moxie this month is Jaws on the Water, and that's already sold out. Sweet. So, and uh, are we posting this tomorrow, Adam? Uh, hopefully, yes. Well, if you got oh, time, yes. you want to come see my uh, my band? We are playing our second show at Joe's Grotto. We go on early, sometime between six and seven p.m. We are Pedestal of Infamy. If you want to check it out, yeah, what's the date? We Throw got tickets. The, the oh, what date, is so. what is the date? What is eighth? Today, the eighth. It'll be Today's the six, so it'll be the eighth, Friday, six. July eighth. If you want to check it out, yeah, please come and support. We appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who came out to our first show, and uh, we, uh, Victor and I, are working on a 
uh, new event soon um, that hopefully we'll be able to talk about here in the future. Yeah, and uh, if you are interested in going to see Lights Out, we will have tickets on cultclassicsaz.com. Later today, we'll have passes for you guys can check out a free screening at Tempe Marketplace. Uh, uh, meaning today being Wednesday, July 6th. Anytime yes. after Wednesday, yeah. July 6th. Anytime after, when you hear this taping, just go to <laughs> cultclassicsaz.com and we'll have a link there so you can get your passes to see. Lights Out from... Uh, uh, produced by James Wan, who did The Conjuring and Insidious and Saw, and a lot of the horror movies you've come to watch over the past uh, 10 years or so. Cool, cool. But uh, until then, check us out. Our next episode will be our 40th episode as we discuss uh, gerontology and death. Maybe we'll do. Right. Maybe we'll do movies that turn forty this year. That might be a good one. Just no, that's a good. That's a good idea. Um, and then until then, I'm one of three hosts. I'm Victor Marino, along with Kirby Nelson <laughs> and Adam Rakowski. Me. And until next time, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather.